HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. What's up, folks? Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. I am your host, John Hutspeth, and we have a jam-packed show this week. We have returning guest Taylor Jones joining us towards the end of the episode. He's got not one, but two bucks down already this year. One in Kansas, one in Oklahoma, so he's off to a fantastic uh, start. And then we have, or I have, I should say, just several other topics that I want to touch on. I had a pretty awesome weekend of hunting, did not release an arrow, but just a lot of cool experiences that I want to share with you guys. And then also, there's just been some some news in the hunting world in the state of Oklahoma that I want to touch on just for a minute. I'm not going to put anybody on blast as bad as some of you may want me to, or as bad as I might want to, but uh, I just feel like it's something that we need to discuss. Uh, you know, part of the reason I do this podcast is just keep people up to date on things and, you know, educate people. So I want to take a second and do that. So again, I'm not going to put any names out there, but there's been a couple uh, pretty high profile poaching cases this week. And again, nobody's been convicted. That's part of the reason I'm going to keep the names out of it. Uh, But one of them in particular is a guy who, uh, you know, gained a lot of popularity last year, killed a great buck in Oklahoma last year, out of state hunter. And, uh, and he killed a, another good buck this year. Um, but unfortunately it appears that he did not have a valid license when he took the buck and, uh, and then tried to buy it online after the buck was down and check it in. And, uh, it's just kind of turned into a not good situation, at least from, you know, what we know as of now, again, nothing's been proven. Uh, but yeah, but it, it appears that this guy, you know, went hunting, shot a good buck, and then tried to buy his deer tag. And uh, guys, part of the reason this is so frustrating is because it's, it. I mean, again, you know, hindsight or whatever, but uh, uh, it doesn't it doesn't sound like this guy just happened to be out there and run across this good buck and then decide, you know, make a split decision, decide to shoot it. Uh, again, this guy hunted here last year in this state, um, I'm sure he's probably hunted here several years. Uh, he obviously had either permission or a lease or something like he was actively hunting in this state and he was doing so without a license. And I just don't get that. Like if you're going to come and you know, if you're, if you're a resident or non-resident, it doesn't matter if you're going to go out and go hunting, you just, it's, it's one hunting 101. You got to have the proper license. And again, this guy's not a new hunter. It's like, he didn't, not like he didn't know any better. Um, so yeah, just, just don't do it guys. Um, you know, hunting license, it's really not that expensive, even for out of state. 
Um, especially somebody like this who is a you know avid hardcore hunter, it just doesn't make sense to not have the proper licensing. Um, so yeah, and then kind of on this same topic, uh, I was hunting a piece of public land this weekend that I'm going to talk about here in just a minute, and uh, I heard a decent amount of rifle shots, <laughs> and uh, it seems like every year I hear that, but I don't know, for some reason this year it just bugged me a little bit more, and uh, I, I'm, I want to read a little bit here. This is from the uh, Oklahoma Wildlife Conservation Department. Uh, this is out of, basically straight out of the regs. Um, this is from the firearms restrictions and it says, unless otherwise provided by state law, no person may carry or use any firearm in conjunction with archery equipment during any archery season. Uh, so just throwing that out there. Um, now it does go on to say, uh, if you are muzzleloader hunting or rifle hunting, you are allowed to bring your archery equipment with you. You can carry both at the same time if you want. Um, but if you're archery hunting, you got to leave that rifle at home. Uh, if you want to carry a pistol or something for hogs or snakes, whatever, uh, you're allowed to do that. Uh, but don't be bringing your deer rifle with you when it's archery season. Um, and I got a little caveat to what I just said. Uh, there was a youth hunt going on somewhere somewhat nearby, um, but a lot of the shots I was hearing were not from the direction that that youth hunt was going on. And I don't think it was just somebody target practicing unless they were moving around a whole lot and only shooting one shot at each target. So, uh, so yeah, just just a little uh, pre-season. It's not pre-season, but you know, we're still kind of at the beginning of the season. Just don't let that deer get the best of you guys. Make sure you have the right tag. Make sure you're checking shooting hours. You know, don't shoot too early, too late. More than likely, if you're outside of legal shooting hours, it's probably too dark to be taking that shot anyway. I had an instance of that last year. I had a nice, probably 150-inch nine-point right in front of me, opening day of rifle, but it was just too dadgum dark, and uh, I'm pretty sure the neighbor killed him the very next day, but that's part of it. It just happens. So, so yeah, make sure you're up to date on your regs, um, follow the law, and uh, and. Yeah, don't don't be like that guy. So that's all I'm gonna say on the rules and regs. Just be smart and and yeah. So uh, like I said, moving on. I had a pretty awesome weekend this last weekend. It uh it got turned completely upside down. It, it was nothing like I had planned, uh, but it turned into an awesome weekend. So I'm just gonna back up, start from the beginning. So last weekend, I uh, talked to my wife about you know whether I could go hunting or not. She said, yeah, go for it. She would keep the baby. And so I ended up getting off work early on Friday and I'd brought all my stuff with me. And so I just headed straight out to the ranch and uh, I was headed out that way, checking the weather. Uh, we had that kind of cooler front move in this last weekend. And, uh, and so I was checking the, the weather app, you know, checking the wind and everything, looking at all my stands. And I just, I just didn't have anything that I felt good about. Um, I'd mentioned the week before opening weekend, I pushed it a little bit on the wind ended up getting busted and I kicked myself over and over again for that. And so I just wasn't going to do that again. We had like a northeast wind and um, I had like one or two stands I could have hunted with that wind. Um, but just, you know, looking at my cameras and stuff, I just hadn't seen anything at those spots. And so I didn't want to go sit just to sit. And so I made the decision while I was driving uh, to go hunt some public land. I was like, hey, why not? You know, why not? And so I have a piece that I've hunted a couple times over the years. I've scouted it um, quite a few times. I've talked about it on here a couple times. Kind of a little bit uh, out of a way type spot. 
And so I made up my mind. So I, I stopped by the house, uh, you know, changed clothes. Uh, I don't think I had time to shower, but I sprayed down real good and uh, got my gear ready, you know, picked up my, my tree stand, my lone wolf, and headed to this piece of public land that I know fairly well and had a spot in my head that, you know, picked out already. Um, there's a big chunk of timber, not too awful far from the parking area. And basically my plan was to just go to the downwind side of it, which would have been the south side. And I was just going to walk with my nose to the wind until I found some sign and set up on it. So that was the plan. Get there. Uh, the parking area is kind of kind of hidden off the road a little bit. And pull into the parking area. There's no other vehicles. I'm like, man, I got this place to myself. We got this front. This is going to be awesome. And I look over and I notice this big sign next to the gate. And I was like, oh, man, that might not be good. So walk over there, read it. Sure enough, the area was closed for a controlled hunt that weekend. So I, I didn't do my research. Should have known. Uh, so basically, my plan was busted. And this is like 4.30 in the afternoon. Like, it's pretty late. You know, like I said, I'm getting there after work. Um, and so I don't have a lot of time. So I start going through my options. And I'm like, maybe I should just go hunt one of those other stands on our place, you know, on the private and just go for it. Uh, but again, just I just didn't feel confident in it. I was like, there's no point to go sit in the heat and and not see anything. And so I'm, I'm just kind of driving down the gravel road. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try to find another spot. So get on my phone, pull up on X, zooming around. And I basically just find like the next closest piece of public to where I was at. Uh, so it, it was open and everything. <laughs> Check that. Learned my lesson. And, uh, and I remembered this spot that I had driven by like probably four years ago when I was first kind of starting to, to explore the public land around there. And, uh, I remember thinking that it looked awesome, but it was like a swampy area. And I remember like driving by it from the road and just being like, no way. Like that just looks like water mocks in heaven. Um, because like I said, just kind of a swampy area is a pretty small piece and uh, when I drove by it, I was like, there's just no way I'm even going to attempt to go in there. But as I was kind of, you know, thinking things through, I was like, you know, we're in the middle of a drought. Everything's super dry. Maybe, just maybe, it's dried up enough to where I can get back there and do some hunting. So drive over there, uh, get there, I don't know, 5 o'clock, something like that, pull over on the side of the road. And uh, I'm kind of looking at the edges of it and stuff. And there's on one side, it kind of goes up this ridge. And, uh, and I mean, again, just looking at it from the road, it looks like the thickest, just nastiest stuff you can possibly imagine. Uh, but I, I see this little ridge and, and it looks kind of thick at the beginning, but it seemed like if you got in there, you know, it might be okay. So, so pull out my pack, got my stand and everything, got my bow. Uh, I took my, my compound bow, left the long bow because, you know, I was on public and I just figured I needed every advantage I could get. So hike up this ridge and, uh, I, I hike like maybe maybe 50, 60 yards, and uh, and things start kind of opening up. And uh, I guess the way this, you know, just what it looked like from the road, you know, where the road was, you had opening in the trees, and that sunlight could get in. It was super thick. But after you got back in there about 50 yards or so, uh, the canopies kind of, you know, came over, covered up a little bit, and it was not bad at all. And so I was kind of able to come down off the ridge into this little creek bottom and just cruise. I mean, it was nice. Uh, and so again, kind of late in the evening, you know, it's five o'clock or maybe even a little after. And, uh, I had not gone very far. I mean, I could like still see my truck and look over and I see a shed, a pretty decent, like four point side shed. And so that got me real excited for several reasons. Like one, it's like, okay, obviously, you know, there's deer here. 
Uh, two, somebody, like if other people were coming in here, somebody would have found this shed. I mean, it was just an obvious spot. Uh, so right away, I was like, all right, we got deer. We obviously have bucks, and we obviously have not that bad a human pressure, which are like, if you're hunting public land, like those are like three very important things. So pick up the shed, put it in my pack, and uh, this this uh, this piece of public, it's kind of in a sketchy neighborhood, um, and so I, I was a little nervous. Like, I just, I didn't know what I might run into. I was also like, man, I hope my truck doesn't get broken into because it's right on the road. Uh, and so I, I didn't want to go that far. Plus, like I said, it was super late in the, in the day. So, uh, so I, I slow way down, taking my time, trying to be quiet. And, uh, I'm just, I'm looking at what kind of trees are around me and I'm looking down at the ground and I'm just looking for acorns. And I basically decide that the first time I see acorns and deer poop next to each other, I'm going to stop and set up. So go, I don't know, 200 yards or so, maybe I'm total, like I'm probably 300 yards from the truck. Start seeing some acorns. I'm like, all right, good sign. Take a few more steps. I see some deer poop. I'm like, all right, this is it. I'm done. So basically just start kind of looking around me. Again, I got this creek to my right, um, you know, pretty thick, swampy looking stuff. And then to my left, it goes up on this ridge and it's mostly oak trees. And so I'm in this, I'm already in this kind of transition zone. And I'm like, man, this looks really good. Uh, so I start looking around uh, for a good tree to climb, find one up ahead of me just a little bit looking around. I'm like, all right, you know, good enough. It's like 515 or something at this point. So, uh, pull out my sticks. I got lone wolf sticks, three-step sticks, and then a uh, lone wolf stand. I ha- Sorry, I should clarify that. I had four three-step lone wolf sticks. So, uh, put my first stick on, you know, put my second stick, third stick. And one thing that I, you know, remembered from my Nebraska hunt where I was doing some hanging hunts was that uh, I needed to be probably lower in the tree because of the canopy, because again, you know, you can't really trim or anything like that. Uh, so I ended up just going three sticks high, hang my stand, and then, uh, you know, get my gear, climb up in there, and I'm set. So it's probably 5.30 or so by the time I, you know, get all this set up. So I'm, uh, you know, got my range finder, got my bow ready, and I'm just kind of surveying, looking around me. And I look kind of ahead to my right, and I see kind of an open area with some big white oaks where that creek comes in and then there's like a, a tree that had fallen and kind of opened up the canopy in a, a big thick spot and uh it was probably I'm gonna say 80 yards uh kind of up into my right and I'm and I remember looking at that I was like man that's where I need to be um but it, I you know I was like it's too late um you know I've already made enough noise and stuff getting in here but I made a mental note I pulled out onyx Took, took a, you know, made a note of it. It was like, hey, like, this is spot A for next time. So, evening goes on, and uh, it's getting later. I want to say legal shooting light ended at, like, 729 or something like that. And um, it's about 630, so somewhere in that hour to dark zone. And uh, look over there to that corner where I was talking about and see a deer. And uh, out come these two does. I mean, right where I had set that pin. Like, right where I was saying I needed to be these two does come out. And so they come out to about 60 yards. They're eating acorns and stuff. And it's funny because like, like if I was on, you know, my private land in one of my stands or blinds, whatever, overlooking a food plot or feeder, whatever, like whatever the situation, if I see two does in an evening hunt, like that's like, okay, you know, saw some does. Uh, but being on public land on a spot that I had never stepped foot on, uh, you know, just, I, I, like, I felt like I was truly like, a hunter like I know as dumb as that sounds uh it just it made me like 
I don't know, just made me feel good. It's like, you know what? I do kind of know what I'm talking about. Um, so anyway, so I watched these does for a little while, and they eventually feed off in a different direction. And so, still sitting there, and again, like, I'm, I'm, I'm on cloud nine at this point. I was like, man, I found this spot out of nowhere, got deer here, got deer sign. And uh, evening keeps going on, hear footsteps behind me, so I very slowly turn to my right, and here comes another doe coming right out of that creek bottom. Uh, and that was another cool thing that I was, I guess, kind of impressed with by myself, uh, was like, I not only did I call a spot, but I also called what the deer were do were going to do. I was like, man, I bet they're bedded in there. And when the evening comes, they're going to work through here and they're going to go up that ridge to the Oaks. And that's exactly what all three of these deer did. This third deer, really cool experience with her. She was a super, uh, young doe, you know, pretty small, but she came right, I mean, out right behind me. Uh, I posted a, a video on my Instagram today, um, she ended up coming in into like eight yards. I mean, right behind me. And she, it had this been a mature buck, probably wouldn't have had this same encounter. Uh, because I like, she was, she was trying to figure, like she smelt me. She was trying to figure out what, it, what it was. She, she ended up crossing over like where I had walked in. Uh, I discovered later, I didn't realize it at the time. Uh, but I, like I said, I only used three of my four sticks and I had brought that fourth stick up the tree with me, but I had, I had accidentally left the strap for that stick down on the ground. And so she didn't like walk right up to it and sniff it, but she walked pretty close to it. Um, but it was just really cool. Like, I mean, I didn't range her or anything, but she was probably eight yards from the base of my tree. And, uh, I was kicking myself because if I would have had my longbow, I would have absolutely smoked her and she was small. So she would have been easy to carry out of there. Um, and not that far again, I was like 300 yards from the truck or something. So it would have been a perfect longbow hunt, but I had taken the compound and, uh, I didn't feel like dragging a deer out of there. And so, uh, so yeah, so that, that pretty much ended the evening. You know, she worked off, uh, she did, she did end up blowing at me one time, uh, she, she kind of started working off and then she like really hit where I'd walked in and, um, uh, and she blew one time, trotted off a little bit, but then she calmed down and, you know, she didn't keep blowing or anything like that. So, uh, so that was an awesome hunt. Uh, I, I just loved it. I, like I said, just so many cool experiences getting out there. I had never stepped foot on the place, ended up being, you know, surrounded by deer. So that was really cool. So go back to the truck and, uh, I'm looking at the weather for the next morning and it's basically the same another northeast wind and you know i'd had even less activity from uh, my cameras in the morning than i had in the evening and so i was like you know what i'm just gonna go back there in the morning so i had pulled my stand and everything just in case i didn't come back so next morning wake up super early and again i'm still like i don't know what it is but i'm just still a little bit sketched out about walking into this public and public land like super early and so i got uh, i parked probably like 10 minutes before legal light so you know the, the sun was just starting to creep over you could see a little like I still had to use my headlamp to get in uh but it, like I could kind of see you know I could make out trees and stuff like that and so get in and uh, go right past the tree where I'd hunted the evening before and I get up to that corner and uh, walk you know it's again it's like it's 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 I probably got to the area right about shooting light um turned my hand headlamp off uh, and, uh, I, I knew my chances weren't that great just because it was an early October morning hunt. Uh, so I really wanted to make sure that I just was in a good spot more than like I was getting ready to kill a deer. If that makes sense. Um, so I'm like looking at all these trees, trying to pick one that's fairly straight, but on that edge. And I, I wanted to be closer to that, 
uh, creek thick stuff. Like I wanted to be able to see in there. So I finally found a nice, probably 18 inch wide oak that was pretty, pretty straight and just right on the edge of those oaks and the creek. Um, so pick it out, climb up, set my stand, uh, have a morning hunt and didn't see anything, but, uh, I, time was kind of running out. I, like I had some other things I needed to do on my private land that day. I wanted to check some cameras and, and get ready for my evening hunt because I was going to go after uh, a target buck that evening. And so, uh, hunted, really liked my spot. And then, but after I got done hunting, I was like, man, I'm going to like, I'm going to get this spot ready. And so I had my little handsaw with me, did a little bit of trimming, just kind of opened, you know, trimmed some trees where I could draw easier, uh, trimmed a little tree to where I could shoot to the right and, um, like into that Creek a little bit. Didn't do anything crazy, but just kind of prepped that tree if I wanted to come back there later. Cause I just feel like, like, I feel like that's a killing tree. Um, oh, I, also, I forgot to mention when I was walking out the evening before, I stepped on a second shed, and uh, it's one I think it, it had been chewed up by squirrels pretty bad. I'm guessing it was like a two-year-old shed, um, not a two-year-old buck, but it had been there for two years. Uh, it was a five-point side, and it had a kicker coming off the G2, so like pretty decent buck. And so I'm again like I'm I'm all about this spot, and so I cut my hunt just a little bit short. Like I said, prepped the tree a little better for next time. Climbed down. And I had brought a trail camera with me. And so, uh, again, this is kind of a smaller spot, kind of an out-of-the-way uh, little piece of public. And uh, and I did some scouting because I knew I wasn't going to come back that evening, and that was going to be the last day I got to hunt for that week. Um, had a feeling I wasn't going to be able to go out there this weekend, which I don't think I'm going to. So, anyway, I, I wasn't that worried about, you know, muddying up the area a little bit that day. So I went ahead and followed that creek all the way back to the back of the property, carrying that camera with me. Uh, found a spot that I thought looked pretty good, hung my camera on an oak tree, kind of facing into that creek area where I found, uh, basically I looked for the best trail that I could find coming out of that uh, thick stuff, hung a camera on it, and then when I walked back, I went up the ridge a little bit and walked out, and man, I found like two good, pretty pretty good pinch points. I found what I can only assume is a community scrape, because I haven't seen any other scraping activity and I found this one area that you know all the leaves like it was an obvious scrape and it was pretty darn big and so uh I'm gonna guess that it's like a big time community scrape I'd probably need to get another camera and go back there and hang it on that scrape uh just to see Um, but all that to say I think I found a nice little honey hole on public that I just from the sign I I found two pretty big clumps of of poop uh, towards the back um I found those sheds uh, there was one area along that creek where, like, every single tree three inches and under had a rub on it. And so there's just got to be one back in there somewhere. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of a, a bucket list thing for me. I know I have private land to hunt, um, but there's just something about the challenge of going in there on public where anybody can get can go and, and shooting a nice buck. So I'm probably going to keep hunting that spot. Y'all hear more about it most likely. Um, so yeah, so that was kind of the end of the public adventure. Really awesome. Absolutely loved it. Think I got an awesome spot. So stay tuned for that. Uh, and then went back to the private, uh, checked a bunch of cameras and stuff, uh, moved some cameras around, uh, fixed some cameras that hadn't been sending pictures, stuff like that. And, uh, I'd also like, I'd bought some chairs to put in my blinds, stuff like that. (laughs) Basically the complete opposite of what I'd just been experiencing on public. Like I went, I went from extreme public to like extreme private. 
Um, but uh, there was a, a buck. Uh, I've talked about him on here a little bit. It's the buck that I always say I have a 2% chance of killing. He's back this year. He's shrunk a little bit. I think I mentioned that last week. He's a, instead of a, a big 10 point, he's a big nine point this year. Um, and again, he like just kind of the, where I get pictures of him, uh, he beds on the neighbors where it's super thick. And then basically I have a feeder in one of our Bermuda grass pastures. And at night he'll come out of that thick stuff and come to this feeder. And, uh, he had been coming pretty consistently every evening. He had been coming like within 30 minutes of, uh, of, of shooting light and uh, with that front we had, I just figured it was worth a shot. I have pretty good uh, entry and exit. The wind was absolutely perfect. The wind shifted from northeast to northwest, which, like, if I had to pick, if I had to pick a perfect wind for that setup, it would be like west. But we never get west winds, and so northwest is like the next best thing. And so, uh, not a lot to report. Like I, like he, he was the only buck that I was getting on picture at that location. Or sorry, he was the only deer. I was getting at that location, and so I knew it was going to be one of those things to where I either saw nothing or I killed him, and so decided to go for it. Uh, did not see him. Shocker. Uh, not really. I, I had a feeling I wouldn't uh, because I, I like I have so much history with this deer. I actually I passed him as a three year old uh, in the saddle a long time ago out of an old metal stand that I found like tucked into the woods. Um, passed him as a three year old. Got no pictures of him as a four year old. And then he showed up, uh, what year would that have been? 2020 as a five-year-old. And then hunted him last year as a six-year-old. Now he's a seven-year-old. Again, gone downhill just a little bit. Um, But yeah, I I would be absolutely stoked. I think out of all the years that I've hunted him, I would say I probably have the best chance this year. I learned a ton about him last year because I ran a whole lot more cameras on this property last year because we were selling our other property. Uh, so I, I learned a whole lot more about him. And then, uh, with these banks blinds, I can't remember if I talked about this when I went through all my setups, but, uh, in this pasture that I'm referring to, we had, uh, two trees that were right next to each other. And so that was the only way I had to hunt him was if I was in one of those two trees. So basically I had my feeder there to try to draw him out. Um, but that's the only spot I could hunt him. And obviously at like two years, I got pictures of him, tons of pictures of him at night. But I think I got maybe two daylight pictures. Like one, I think I got like one daylight picture per year of this buck. Um, but now that I have these banks blinds, I don't. I'm not relying on a tree anymore. So I moved it over to the other side of the pasture just just to see, you know, just to see if that changed things up. So still got the feeder, got the banks blind there. Um, this neighbor, by the for those of you who are like, oh, you shouldn't hunt that close to your neighbor. I, I've I've talked to this neighbor. I know him well. Um, he does not want me hunting on his property, but he's actually, he's even told me like I can shoot over his fence if I want to. So like not the big deal. I'm, I, you know, and I'm not right on the fence my feeders are good 50, 60 yards or something from the fence line. So, uh, just for those of you who think I'm, you know, being rude to my neighbor, I'm not, I promise. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, hunted that evening, didn't see him again, no shocker. Uh, as soon as legal light ended, I was out of there because I didn't want to catch him, you know, just in case he came in a little early, but not in daylight. I didn't want to spook him. I didn't want him to see me or anything like that. So I basically had all my stuff packed up. And as soon as legal light was over, made a quick scan, you know, make sure he wasn't standing out in the field. And then I hightailed it out of there because I didn't want to, get stuck in the blind or like I said, even worse, you know, him walk out when I'm climbing down the ladder or something like that. So 
So got in clean, got out clean. I've gotten pictures of him there since I hunted, so I, I know we're good. And um, and yeah, that was that was my weekend. So pretty exciting. Uh, again, I, I will definitely be out on that piece of public again. Absolutely loved it. Uh, it just it just kind of made me feel like a like an outdoorsman getting on deer like that. Um, you know, starting from scratch. So. So yeah, that's uh, that's the past update. Future update uh, this coming weekend. I don't think I'm going to be hunting. I need to give my wife a break. Uh, I'm going to keep the baby Friday night and Saturday morning so she can hang out with friends. Uh, Saturday is actually her birthday, so we'll probably hang out Saturday afternoon. And then I think we have a birthday party or something to go to on Sunday. So I'm going to take the whole weekend off from hunting, uh, spend time with the family, uh, watch the kid, give my wife a break. And then the weekend after that, which will be the opening weekend of muzzleloader. I'm probably going to head up to the ranch, even if it's just for like an afternoon or one night or something like that. Uh, I mostly want to get ready for the next weekend. So the last weekend of muzzleloader, like Halloween weekend, uh, I'm going to take Friday off work, which I did last year. And so I'll have, uh, I think it's like the 28th, 29th, and 30th to hunt. Uh, And so this is going to be like my one big, long weekend for Oklahoma this year. Uh, So I'll I'll head off after work on Thursday, uh, hunt all day Friday, all day Saturday, and at least Sunday morning, maybe Sunday evening. Oh, my baby girl just uh, squawked a little bit in the other room if you heard a weird noise. But uh, but yeah, so that'll be the last weekend in October, long weekend for muzzleloader season. And then the weekend after that, which will be the first weekend of November, that is the Texas rifle opener. So more, most likely I'll be in West Texas with my buddies uh, celebrating that, hunting out there. And then after that, who knows? <laughs> um, uh, I also, the week of Thanksgiving, I have my uh, Colorado elk hunt, which has kind of snuck up on me. And so I'm going to miss two weekends of whitetail hunting there in November, but absolutely worth it if I can kill an elk. So, so yeah, that's what we have coming up the next, uh, next couple weeks. Again, lots of good content coming up. Uh, got a couple interviews scheduled out for the next few weeks. So that's exciting. I'll be hunting a decent amount except for this weekend. So yeah, uh, yeah, just very, very, very excited about it. So hope you guys are doing good. Hope y'all are having some success. I'm seeing tons and tons of pictures of big bucks on social media. It makes me really jealous. Uh, If you're not one of those people that is shooting a big buck like myself, don't get discouraged because, I mean, things are just getting started. The best is yet to come. So, uh, yeah, don't feel left out. Don't feel, don't panic. You know, we have lots and lots of time yet. And honestly, some of the best hunting yet to come. So, so yeah, just a little bit of encouragement for you guys. That's going to do it for my intro after what, 30 minutes, something like that. So, uh, yeah, we're going to hear a quick word from our partners. And then we're going to hear from Taylor Jones on two successful hunts that he's had this year. So stick around because this this episode still has a long way to go. So, yeah, thank you guys once again for listening. Good luck to all of you. And uh, stay tuned because we still have a lot coming up right after this. With hunting season in full swing, lots of folks are dreaming of buying their own place to chase big bucks or try and call in some migrating mallards. If that's the case... Be sure to call the fine folks at Arrowhead Land Company. These guys and gals do plenty of hunting themselves and are up to date on all the latest market trends. Whether you're a first-time buyer or looking to sell so you can upgrade a little bit, the team at Arrowhead can guide you through the buying or selling process. So call them today and make that dream a reality with the hardest working land agents in the state. That's Arrowhead Land Company. 
Deer season is here, and the trail camera photos are pouring in. Don't just let those photos sit on your phone or computer. Put them to work for you using Deer Lab. Deer Lab is a web-based app that organizes your trail camera photos for you and analyzes the data to give you real-time information you can use to track and get on the bucks on your hunting property. The software uses the date and time from the photo and pulls in local weather conditions to combine it all to help you know when and where that buck is going to move. You can make individual profiles to track bucks from year to year also, storing valuable data to use in the future as well. Got a buck that needs one more year? Collect and keep that data and know right where he will be when it's time to put him on the hit list. You can use code OKLAHOMAOUTDOORS, all one word, and get 20% off your membership. So get started today and get that buck. It's finally no longer 105 degrees outside and the fall bite is on. So don't miss it. Go to privatewaterfishing.com and sign up for your membership. Once you sign up, you have over 100 professionally managed private lakes at your disposal. Again, these are not just little farm ponds. These are 10 plus acre lakes, some well over 20 acres that you have all to yourself. It's not just members only, it's one member at a time, and they even work rest days into the schedule to guarantee that the fish are not overpressured. If you're unsure about it, look them up on social media and you can see all the huge bass that they're pulling out of these impressive lakes. That's privatewaterfishing.com. Go check it out. Hey everybody, welcome to today's show and today we have returning guest Taylor Jones. How are you doing today, Taylor? Pretty good. Good. And uh, I, I, what is this? Is this your third time to be on the show? Second. Second? Okay, I thought this was your third. Okay, well cool. Well, man, there's a there's a reason you keep coming back on, and it's because you keep uh, you know killing these big bucks, and so I'm excited to have you on. and And you've already got two under your belt, right? Yep, awesome, got two man. so far this year. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, you still got a lot of time. Uh, uh, now, obviously, you still have one more Oklahoma tag. Are you going to try to go to any other states, or is that just the last buck tag you got? Uh, it kind of depends on how the rest of the season runs. Gotcha, gotcha, man. That's uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, well, I don't want to ruin any other surprises. I already ruined that you've killed two bucks already, and so uh, uh, I, I, I was telling you a little bit before we started the show that I, I'm glad we decided to do this tonight because I'd kind of I'd thought about just you know doing one by my si- by myself this evening, and then turns out I had a heck of a long day today, and I'm ready to just sit back and listen to you tell these stories and, and let you do all the work for me. So, so I'm pretty excited for this uh, for this podcast this evening. So, um, real quick, uh, just in case people, you know, haven't heard you before, why don't you just give us a quick little introduction of yourself? Yep, I'm just uh, born and raised in Oklahoma, northwest Oklahoma, hunted since I was little, and am, you could say, probably addicted, I would say, now. Awesome. Yeah. Definitely have... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, definitely spend a lot of time in the woods <laughs> come to right. your season. That's right, man. And and you just, you seem to have that knack for getting it done. And so, uh, yeah, we got two great stories tonight. And so, like I said, I'm just going to kind of sit back and, and let you do your thing. And so, uh, why don't you start us off in, in Kansas with your early season buck? Yeah, we set up feeders and cameras about 
know, probably the second week of August. And we really didn't have that many deer that were mature on camera. But the wife really wanted to go up. And the week that we decided that we were going to go up, it was opening weekend up there, which is like the middle of September. That Monday, I got a picture of a full velvet 11 point, And I told her that if we go and there's she could shoot at any other deer but <laughs> that deer. Uh-huh. And it's been so dry there and at home that we decided that we were going to hunt over. We have a pond that still has a little bit of water. Not much, but enough that they were still using it pretty well. And we sent, hung a double set in, just slipped in there. And the first evening, we seen, like, I think it was seven bucks and 13 does. They were just hammering that pond down in there. And I don't know how thrilled my wife is that I share this, but (laughs) she may or may not have shot at one Mm -hmm. the first night Mm -hmm. and missed right over its back. She Mm -hmm. got a little buck fever going on. And then the wind was still going to be the same the next day, so we have to just slip right back in, and there was deer were filtering through, going to the cut corn down the canyon from us, and there was a couple smaller bucks working their way around the pond, and all of a sudden we look over, and this just big-framed deer comes stomping around, and I look over, and sure enough, that's who walks out. <laughs> Only had, what, I think three pictures of this deer this whole time, and he ends up being one of the first deer to walk out of the timber to come get a drink out of the pond. Mm-hmm. And he just slowly, kneeing, just slowly walks around the pond, has no care in the world, and walk, finally gets into 18 yards, roughly. Mm-hmm. And... I had to lean out around the tree because I was on the back side of the tree and the wife Mm -hmm. was kind of on the side of the tree and she had to lean out and luckily made a almost perfect shot on that deer. He didn't go probably 80 yards. And then later on that evening, we almost doubled. The wife was at full draw on probably a 140 and couldn't get it stopped through the shooting lane. So we Man. almost had a <laughs> fantastic evening. Yeah. It was still a good evening, don't get me wrong. But oh, yeah. Just all but a mm-hmm. once-in-a-lifetime evening. Yeah. Now, Kansas, is that a September 15th opener? 15th? I think it was the fourth. Well, it's like the second Monday of oh, the gotcha. September, I believe. Okay. so It always ends up on a Monday. I'm with you. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. 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 So, uh, was the buck you killed, was that the only one still in velvet? All the others had shed? Yeah. The night before, we had a seven a smaller deer come through mm-hmm. that was still holding, and we watched him rub off his velvet, and that was <laughs> the last deer that I've had on camera in velvet. Gotcha. Gotcha. 
Awesome, man. So describe this setup a little bit more. You, it was private land, I assume, and uh, just kind of describe the yeah. setup. And I assume that Kansas has been just as dry as we've been here in Oklahoma. So uh, talk about you know yeah. how that led you to hunting the water. Just kind of talk us a little bit more about just the setup in general. Yeah. Our place is kind of in the Flint Hills, which is southeastern Kansas. There's big grass and canyon bottoms, and down in the canyon bottom, we have a pond, and our canyon bottom leads to a river bottom, and there's ag field down in the river bottom. So it works as a fantastic funnel for these deer to come out of the canyon and go into the river bottoms in the evening and feed. And they have to walk right by this pond, and so they naturally stop at that water to get into the ag fields. Gotcha, gotcha. Awesome. So, man, that sounds like a heck of a spot. Especially now, like, let's say it was a normal year, maybe a wet year. Is that pond still as good, or is it just because it was so dry? I think it was just because it's been so dry. Because there's a lot of springs usually and mm-hmm. creeks that flow into the river, just right there. But they were all dried up this year. We had one of our ponds was almost completely dry up there, mm-hmm. and for some, they're just been hammering. They've still been, I got cell camera right on the pond, and it's just still just getting hammered every night. Yeah. It still had, probably here. still hadn't rained since then. No. Yep. Uh, Definitely need some moisture. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, I was uh, up at our place last weekend, and it's been now, I think, three weeks since I planted my food plots, and not even a sprig. It's It's so stinking dry. Yeah, and then the farmers around us, we haven't even got seed in the ground mm. yet. And yeah. it's, I figured it's getting pretty late. Everyone's just trying to wait on moisture. Yeah, yeah. If I had the, the freedom and the time, I probably wouldn't have planted yet. Um, but, you know, I, I'm pretty confident with what I'm going for. You know, that seed will just hang out in the ground until it does get some moisture. But, but yeah, that's uh, that's one thing that I've kind of struggled with, like on our private land, is like whether I want to hunt water or not. And I talked about it some this summer, uh, just because we like there's such a lack of water that like I know it would probably be good hunting, mm-hmm. but I also don't want to like put that extra pressure on those deer and make them not you know not want to come water on our place or whatever. And so that's something that I've been trying to just kind of work through myself. Yep. But they're definitely keying in on it. Yeah, they are. They are. Uh, real quick, so I didn't think about it. We should have. Uh, why don't you just describe this buck real quick? Tell everybody a little bit about him. Yeah, he's a just typical eleven point. He's a five by six. To he's got mm, decent time length, not a lot, but he's just got long sweeping beams. He's not very wide, and He's probably, I think he mid one fifties type deer. Man, that's awesome! And, I mean, you definitely get a couple bonus points for the velvet. Oh yeah, he <laughs> was not. If I probably wouldn't have passed a one thirty if it was still full velvet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is. There's just something about it. It's just not a lot of people get to do it, and just it's just kind of something different. Yep, it's pretty dang cool. Mm-hmm. So I definitely fortunate. Yeah. And uh I know you've gotten to hunt Kansas for several years. Is this your first velvet buck? 
it is my first actual decent velvet buck. Gotcha. I shot a forky mule deer. That's in right, Nebraska. That's right. Yeah, that was still velvet. I think I saw that. Gotcha. Awesome. Cool, man. All right. Well, uh, take us on down the season then, and uh, walk us through your Oklahoma hunt. Yeah. Well, it wasn't too terribly much of a hunt. I've <laughs> only been in the blind once. Oh well, there you go. Yep. I got off work early. Actually, it'd be like two days ago as we're recording. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I haven't been in the barn. I might as well just run out and go. And I have been getting this deer that had split G2s on both sides at one of my feeders that's just in wide open CRP grass. And I could slip in it late because it was getting late without busting deer so i just slipped into that box blind Mm -hmm. and didn't see anything was starting to get discouraged like man i should have sat somewhere else one of those days and then right at last light he finally popped out of the plum thickets probably with 30 minutes left of light and slowly worked up to the feeder and he didn't make it to the feeder he walked behind the trail camera and circled around downwind and I didn't let him get any further. <laughs> he stopped broadside, and I let it eat. Yeah, that's awesome. So just a wide open setup, pretty much. Yeah, wide open CRP grass with a, some plum thickets. Gotcha. That's scattered cool. through it. Uh huh. I think it's funny you said he walked behind the camera too. Uh, I was talking to oh gosh, who was I talking? Uh, Johnny, uh, Johnny Griffith, this summer. And uh, we were talking about how we need to put up two trail cameras, like on the same deal, one facing one way and one facing the other, uh, just to catch those bucks that, you know, swing around. And, uh, yeah, that's just, it's it's like they know. Yep. For some reason, they're they're just one step ahead sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Cool, man. Well, you you mentioned the split, uh, split G2s, but describe that buck a little bit more, too. He was a mainframe eight with split G2s on both sides. He had one of them busted probably halfway off. And then he had three kickers off of his base down low. Mm-hmm. He, was, he wasn't he was as big of a deer as a Kansas deer, but he was like right at 140-ish. Nice. As a mainframe eight, that's pretty solid deer. Oh, yeah, definitely. Not a giant, but mm-hmm. I was still pumped. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially to be the third set that I've actually been in the tree. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty insane. That's pretty insane. So, uh, are you going to have to make another trip back to Kansas for your wife then? Yep. <laughs> Most definitely. Uh-huh. That's important though. That's important. Yep, she's pretty pumped. Yeah. She's she really got into bow hunting last year and she's been shooting a lot this year. She shot her first buck last year with the bow, mm-hmm. and after that, she's been hooked. Yeah, that's awesome, man. What a because I feel like there's a lot of guys listening that you know would love to get their girlfriend or wife or you know whoever uh, into hunting. Uh, is it something like was she curious about it already, or was it something that you tried to encourage her to do, or talk about getting her into it? She was kind of interested. 
she I've got her a bow and we shot a bunch at the house and just slowly worked her into it and then once we got our kid and everything she liked it to get away a little bit she liked to go out and set why a baby sat <laughs> and then she really started getting hooked last year whenever she actually started putting time in and was hunting pretty hard mm-hmm. but the way we really started was just try just shooting in the backyard, mm-hmm. having a good time in the evenings, mm-hmm. spending time together. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I've, I've uh, my my wife hunts some. Uh, she's she's not a morning person at all, and so she, mornings are usually out for oh, her. Yep, that's the way mine is. Yep, and uh, she shot. Yep. She shot, my wife. I hunt the morning. Yep. <laughs> so uh, she shot a doe when we were still dating. And then uh, after we got married, uh, she shot a buck all by herself with her rifle. And, uh, like, I, I wasn't even at the property. And uh, she had gone one evening, and I, I had her in one of my bow stands, but it was rifle season. And uh, something happened. Oh, she had a bad shell. A, a buck came in, and, you know, she got buck fever, got all excited, pulled the trigger, and it just didn't go off. Um, and she, you know, was trying to get another shell in the buck herder ran away. And so she went back the next evening and, you know, I, I shot her gun and stuff, made sure everything was still good. Just had a dud of a shell and, uh, next evening came and she ended up shooting a pretty nice, I think it scored like 138, nice wide eight point and everything. And that really got her jacked up. And so she enjoys deer hunting, obviously not near as much as I, I do. And we bought her a bow. She enjoys shooting it. Uh, but with the baby now, she's like, I, I doubt she hunts this year. Um, she'd rather sleep than, than yep. go hunting, which I, you know, I don't blame <laughs> her on that one. So, uh, but yeah, I think that's, a, yep, that's, I understand that. Yeah. That's something a lot of guys go through and, uh, just trying to get their, get their woman out there with them. So. So yeah, I was just just curious. Yep. So, uh, well, do you have a another buck picked out for that last tag? Or are you just gonna let it ride and see what happens? I got one. Well, I got two that I would probably use my last tag on. I got one that he's either nine and a half or ten and a half this year. He was just a five point last year, and this year he's a seven, and he's just an old gnarly deer who's mm-hmm. ain't gonna score anything but yeah. just be a really cool deer uh-huh. and then i got probably a mid 150s 10 point that's he's not as regular as the old deer but he's still would take my last tag yeah if he stepped out yeah all right here's a question for you let's say you go out this saturday one of those two bucks steps out you, you kill him what would be your plan for the rest of the season? Like what like I guess what's your next state? Like what would be your next step? Um probably Nebraska. Mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. If I go to another hit another state just cuz I have history there. Yeah. Yeah. I've hunting up there. Yeah. That's one thing I've always which <laughs> I mean, I I might be a long way away from uh from ever accomplishing this goal, but I was like, man, if I ever tagged out super early, uh, you know, I have my buddies' places in Texas. I'm in southern Oklahoma that I could hunt and stuff. But uh, I, th- I think I'd have to go with Missouri. It's uh, it's just it's closer. Um, I do, although now I do have mm-hmm. a connection in Nebraska. My my sister married a guy from up there. They live up there now, so I do. I have a place to go in Nebraska. 
Um, but I think Missouri is closer, so I don't know. That would that would be a tough one. But I still, uh, I still. Yep, Missouri's got some dang good deer. Yeah, yeah. I think I've told you about it. I still, I've had a Kansas point for several. Actually, I think it's probably about to expire. I think if you don't use it within like five years, it goes away, and I'm probably getting close to that. But I really need to go hunt uh, Kansas one of these years. Just, just getting the time, man. Oh yeah, it's, <laughs> it's good. It's tough. I mean, there's not any deer in Kansas. Oh, don't go that's to Kansas. true. That's true. Yeah, there's no deer in Oklahoma either. So. Yeah, there's no deer. Yeah. No. Gotcha. Well, cool, man. Um, any other last minute uh, things you got? Any any tips or tactics you want to throw out to anybody? Yeah, and one thing that helped me kill these two deer and the last few deer I've killed has been entering exit, being strict on myself to stick to only the stands and trees that you can get in and out of without blowing deer out going in and blowing deer out coming out. Because mm. hunting around feeders and stuff like that here in Oklahoma, whenever you bust, whenever you get out of your stand, and don't, a lot of people don't think about it getting out of the stand, they're blowing all those deer. Well, those deer know where you just climbed down from, mm-hmm. and they'll remember that for next time. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I think, anyways. Oh no, I agree. I agree. I uh, I got busted by a doe uh, two weeks ago, opening weekend, I guess, and I I tried to push it just a little bit with a bad wind because you know it was opening weekend. I wanted to go hunt. And, uh, and, I, and I've been kicking myself for it ever since. So very, very important. <laughs> yep, because you always have, she'll just be that uh-huh. high step and go just yeah. looking up for you. That's right. That's right. So, uh, so, and it seems like those always stay just out of bow range. Yep. Yep. She was, she was, but next time she comes in, I'm going to look for the one that's looking a little weary and looking up at me and <laughs> she's going to go. So, but, yep. Mm-hmm. A little bit of freezer filling. That's right. That's right. I need to take some does anyway. So, well, Taylor, man, I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate you coming on again. And uh, man, I can't uh, can't say it enough. Congratulations for what you've already accomplished, and good luck with the rest of the year. And good luck to your wife also. Uh, you need to go get her a buck. Yep, I'll hear about it. That's for sure. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Awesome. Well, Taylor, thank you for coming on. And, uh, yeah, I guess until uh, your next uh, adventure, we'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you. Yes, sir. And just like that, another great episode in the book. So thank you, Taylor, for coming on and telling your stories. I hope y'all learned something from that. I mean, this guy has killed, what, two bucks by like October 10th, something like that. So uh, honestly, a little jealous, but uh, but I know I still got a lot of time ahead of me, like I was saying at the beginning, and uh, and I'm just trying to enjoy every second of it. So uh, thank you guys for listening. I do have one last little thing, if y'all are still with me. Uh, just another great educational tool you know i did an episode a couple weeks ago about just things i've learned bill winky as in midwest whitetail bill winky who i i believe he sold that company now um i don't think he's affiliated with them anymore uh basically he just kind of got burnt out you know having a cameraman all the time and filming the shows and and he just wanted to get back to what he loved which was deer hunting and i respect him so much for it um, he is still in Iowa. He moved closer to his parents in like Northern Iowa. Uh, last year he basically went an entire hunting season with no cameras or anything, just kind of, you know, refound his love. 
and he has restarted a YouTube show. It's it's just him. Uh, I believe he actually just hired his daughter as kind of an editor slash you know co-host type thing. Um, but it is it is super rough cut. It's like him holding a camera in his hand. Uh, you know, Bill's never been the best like camera personality. Uh, he's just a really good deer hunter. Um, but he is incredibly knowledgeable, and he has started this new series. I believe it's just called uh, Bow Hunting Whitetails with Bill Winky. Um, and he's slowly kind of getting some of his old partners and sponsors back and stuff. But it is incredibly educational. Uh, most of the videos are under 10 minutes. And he just he's just kind of basically walking us through the pro- this process. He bought a brand new farm. So he's new to it this year. It's his first year on it. And, you know, he's talking about trail camera strategies and stand strategies and, you know, food plot and, and native habitat. And he's it's just basically you get to watch one of the whitetail masters take a landscape and transform it into a whitetail paradise. So uh, I've been really, really enjoying the videos. And so I just want to throw that out there to you guys. If you want to learn more about bow hunting whitetails, Check out Bowhunting Whitetails with Bill Winky. So just one last little nugget to throw out there before we shut her down. So go check it out. Thank you once again for listening to this show. Um, Thank you to all the partners of this show for your support. And guys, like I keep saying, it's here. Hunting season's here. We're going to be duck hunting before we know it. We're already deer hunting. Um, I've seen pictures of people getting antelope and elk and bear and just, it. Uh, yes, it's here. So, all right, that's enough for me. I'm going to go ahead and shut this thing down because I'm just rambling now. So, thank you once again. I really appreciate it. And until next time, I will see you guys right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. Outdoors podcast.